the Read to Lead podcast, episode 16. Hi, I'm Andy Andrews. I'm the author of The Traveler's Gift, The Noticer, The Noticer Returns. You're about to enjoy another episode of the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Why step in front expecting the audience to give you something when real communication it happens when you give them something. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to check out the Read to Lead podcast. I am Jeff, and this is the podcast dedicated to the importance of reading and the role that it plays in your success in business and in life. Now, each week we sit down with another successful and inspiring author, and we talk about not only their latest book, but also topics like leadership, personal development, career, business, entrepreneurship, marketing, and a lot more. Now, in this episode, we chat with Ken Davis, founder of Dynamic Communicators International and author of Secrets of Dynamic Communication. Today, Ken will help us understand how to prepare a speech with laser-like focus, capture and hold the attention of any audience, banish your fear of public speaking, and making your presentation unforgettable. Those are just some of the things we'll learn today in our conversation with Ken Davis. But first, this episode is brought to you by Brown Nose Media. They specialize in websites and mobile apps, specifically for small to medium-sized businesses. For just $99 a month and a one-time setup and design fee of just $12.99, Brown Nose Media can build a mobile app for your business. In fact, when you mention the Read to Lead podcast, Brown Nose Media will give you $200 off that setup and design fee. So it's just $10.99 and $99 a month. To find out more, you can visit Brown Nose Media online at brownnosemedia.com. That's brown, K-N-O-W-S, media.com. Ken Davis is a best-selling author and sought-after speaker. As founder of Dynamic Communicators International, he teaches speaking skills to corporate executives, teachers, ministry professionals, and people who simply wish to become better communicators. Ken's daily radio show, Lighten Up, is heard on more than 1,500 stations in the U.S. and around the world. And he is author of the newly revised and updated Secrets of Dynamic Communication, Prepare with Focus, Deliver with Clarity, Speak with Power, and he is our guest today. Ken, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be talking with you today. Well, first off, I think it's important um, to point out that the SCORE method that serves as the framework for your new book has applications beyond just public speaking. We're going to talk predominantly about public speaking today, but what are some other ways your method is being utilized? Well, the SCORE method is a unique way to determine what it is you want to accomplish with your speaking. And so there's nothing tricky about it. It's not a... um, you know, some kind of a a trumped-up method. It is a way to determine what it is you want to accomplish and what steps you want to take to get there. Well, if you just think about that a second, that applies to almost every area in life. Mm. You know, my my life plan, so to speak, has an ultimate um, goal. It has an ultimate end in mind, 
And then as I wake up every morning, I ask myself, what do I want to do today that will help me move closer to that goal? Uh, I think a lot of people in speaking uh, have a tendency to just kind of start out and say a bunch of things. (laughs) And I think a lot of people in living just kind of take each day as it comes, dodging whatever circumstances happen to come their way, rather than having a specific goal, a specific end in mind, and then planning along the way that the steps that you'll take, the decisions that you will make will lead you to that, will lead you to that objective. And so that's, that's how it works. Like I say, it's, it's nothing fancy, but it, it, it teaches people to use whatever skills they have, whatever their, whatever their delivery style is. We're not trying to change that. What we're trying to do is make sure that when they get done, something has happened. And that just changes lives. Now, you argue that the most important, important ingredient in the preparation process is focus, and that if we don't set a focus for our presentation, uh, unconscious objectives, you call it, will take over. And we've all heard those uh, public talks for, for sure. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Are, what are some examples of, of these vague, unconscious objectives that, that can suck the power from a speech? Uh, I hope they like me. <laughs> and so you're constantly, you know, studying the audience. And if you see someone that maybe doesn't like what you're saying, you switch up or, or you design your talk so that they will like you. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that's a specific goal, uh, a good specific goal for a talk. The best talks, the best speeches, the best messages are designed so that the audience takes something away from it. Now, they're designed to give rather than to get something from the audience. I hope they like me as someone who's standing up to get something from the audience. Mm. By the way, in regard to that, speaking is feared just right underneath death. I I mean, in our culture, people fear public speaking right underneath death. Mm. And I think one of the reasons is their ultimate goal is, what are people going to think? I don't care anymore. Uh, if If you speak instead to give people something they will secondarily think that's one of the greatest talks that, that, that they've ever heard if they benefit from it. And many of the people who have come through, uh, we have taught not to let that, that unconscious goal of I hope they like me come in or I hope I do well, and instead just stand up there to deliver something that will benefit people's lives. It changes everything. Another one is, um, you know, I've got a half hour to fill. <laughs> well, hello, just send me a Send me an audio tape. Uh, you know, send me a, what are those called now? 3GMs or 3PMs or PMG3 or whatever. <laughs> send me something I can listen to. Uh, by the way, your listeners will quickly discover I have ADHD and <laughs> am slightly dyslexic. So, okay. But uh, just send me one of those. Forget about coming down here. Forget about us paying the expense. Hmm. You know, um, and, and a lot of people say, well, I don't do that. And yet, when they're preparing a speech, number one on their mind is, will this fill the time? Is this, I don't care. I, if, if I stop 15 minutes early and people rush out the door to take some action that will change their lives, I've succeeded. There's no success in going 30 minutes. And rarely, rarely do you ever find people criticizing a speech when it, uh, going, it, it was too short. You hinted at this a moment ago. For a lot of people, the idea of getting up in front of a room full of people and talking about anything uh, is terrifying. I know for, for me personally, I've spent you know, 25 plus years in radio and thought nothing of sitting behind a microphone and talking to thousands of people I couldn't see or being in a stadium filled with people 
whose faces I can't see because of the bright lights, and I'm just there to, to, to warm them up or introduce them to who they are there to see. That's never been a big deal, but put me in a room full of 25 people or 125 people whose faces I can see, and it, it's a completely different situation for me. What is your advice to people who are paralyzed by the thought of public speaking beyond just these, these unconscious objectives that we, we tend to fall into? Well, I, I want to I lean back on this one because that, that's where most fear comes from. I want to lean back on this mm. one. It's not about them liking you. If you step to the front going, I got something to give these people. I remember, he, here's my greatest fear. And, and I remember how I almost accidentally uh, dealt with it, and it taught me a lesson the rest of my life. I don't care. I, I've spoken to as many as 85,000 people at one time in a, in a football stadium. Mm. Um, and I had no fear. I had only a, um, an anxiousness to get started because I know what I can do with that size of a crowd. But one time I was put in an auditorium in the bottom of the Nashville Convention Center that would seat 1,200, and only 12 people had showed up because of poor promotion on the part of, of the promoters of this event. Mm. So 12 people were sitting there for a breakout that, would, that was supposed to last an hour, and the person that came on to do the talk before me bailed. She did about uh, two and a half minutes, maybe mm. five minutes, and then just, she was gone. Oh, boy. And I was, I was um, sitting there going, what in the world am I going to do? And then it hit me. I'm not here to impress these people. This is going to be hard. As a comedian, five people in a room where there's supposed to be, or 12 people in a room where there's supposed to be thousands, is a, is a dark, it's like a dark cloud coming over a beach on a sunny day. <laughs> so what I did was I got down off the stage, and I had those 12 people sit in a circle of chairs, and I told funny stories and asked them to tell funny stories because I wanted them to go away with a positive. I wanted them to go away excited about what had happened that day. Mm. So I changed the whole, whole style of my delivery from big, you know, showbiz kind of spotlight thing to, hey, let's just sit together and, and have some fun. And so switching from what will they think of me, how good will I do to let's enrich these lives, it takes the fear out of it. It, what is there to fear? You don't fear giving someone a gift. What you fear is when you go to ask someone for something and they might not give it to you. Well, why step in front expecting the audience to give you something when real communication it, it happens when you give them something? You make an excellent point uh, because I was never, until I read your book, able to put my finger on why I could do one so easily and struggle with the other. Uh, when I was on the radio, well, if somebody didn't like what I said or didn't like me, they could change the station. I wouldn't know it. Or I could right. be in a stadium full of thousands of people whose faces I can't see, and if some guy leans to the guy next to him and says, this guy's an idiot, I'm not going to know that. But in a, in a smaller setting where I, I'm in a well-lit room and I can see their faces, I, yeah. I, I, I can read them, and I'm instantly you know, paralyzed by that. What are they thinking about me? <laughs> see, it, this is what's so fascinating, man. That's the fear I have behind a microphone in a radio station. <laughs> when I'm standing in front of them, I know what they're thinking of me, and I can work it. Ah. <laughs> when I'm in front of a microphone, the only way I can make that work is to see the face of somebody. In other mm. words, if it's my host, or to imagine the face of somebody so that, 
so that I'm actually talking to people and not to a little piece of wire mesh. Well, let me put your fears at ease. I really like you, so if you were worried about that or nervous at all, don't be. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Well, you, you share in the book a study uh, you did, that, the, an informal study, that showed 70% of people who walk away from a typical presentation aren't able to even recall what the presentation was about just minutes later. But that's not the saddest statistic, is it? No, no. The saddest statistic is that over 50% of the people who did the speaking have no idea <laughs> what they were trying to accomplish. It isn't that they can't remember a list of the things they said. They never stop to consider what their objective was. What did they want the takeaway to be? Uh, I have a saying, if you, if you know where you're going, you can take anybody with, me, with you. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. So uh, a lot of speakers are aiming at nothing. They just have a list of things they want to say, and they kind of organize them into a, into a, um, you know, into a deliverable piece of work, and then they just deliver all of those things, never once considering at the end what is the one thing, one, one thing I want to accomplish with this talk. I was fortunate enough to be to be led by a great leader named Matt Austin, who very much patterns some of the behavior you talk about in your book. We would be in a meeting or brainstorming or whatever we, was, we were doing, and we would get to that point where inevitably we would go off on some tangent or forget what the objective of the conversation had, had, had started out to be, and he would just silently raise his hand and wait until he had everybody's attention. And once we all stopped talking and looked at him, he would say, what are we trying to accomplish? See, I think this works in, personal, in per, interpersonal communication as well. Mm. Oftentimes, we get, we get waylaid and detoured by emotion and forget what, the, what, the, what it's supposed to be about a husband and wife talking together, in the end, what they're, tr what they're looking for, hopefully, is resolution on some issue. But they get waylaid um, as saying something that demeans the person, and finally, they're so far off track, they don't even know what it's about. When you talk to a teenager, and they roll their eyes in the middle of, 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 of the conversation, there's a tendency to get waylaid. If you remember what the objective is, and keep coming back to that trail, raising your own hand on yourself, and keep coming back to that trail, it'll get you where you're going. You have a saying, Ken, that goes something like, when the tension is gone, the attention is gone. Right. Uh, describe right. what you mean by that. Why does there have to be tension in a, in a good, successful, dynamic public talk? This came from me for years teaching an old uh, saying that was used in a lot of speech classes. And it went like this. A good, in a good speech, you tell them what you're going to say, then you say it, then you tell them what you said. And I used that, and one of my mentors said, that may be true of an of a, a, a illiterate audience, but if, if you assume that your audience is intelligent, if you assume that your audience is bright, for the bright ones, and this is true, I've experienced it, if you tell them what you're going to say, they want to go home. They got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just read a very good book, and, and the book was fantastic, except for one thing. It was repetitive. It kept repeating the same truth over and over again from different angles. And about three-quarters of the way through the book, I realized, I think this person thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> I, I'm serious. And the same thing is true of a speech. So here's what the tension is about. 
you don't necessarily tell them what you're going to say. You tell them where you're headed. That brings up either, well, how am I going to get there? That's great. I'd love to be there. Or it brings up, um, you know, conflict. Someone may disagree. They may say, well, how are you going to prove that? I don't even buy that. That tension is what keeps them moving on. Every, everybody here can learn to ride a horse. Um, you know, uh, well, how, how do I do that? It, well, you need, you need to, first of all, find a horse. Well, well where can I find a horse? Everything you say kind of opens up a new box of tension that keeps them listening to what you're going to do. Faith is important to determining the final objective of your life. Well, I don't believe that. What makes you think that? Here are the reasons that's important. What reasons? That's tension. When that tension is broken, then the attention is gone. Um, so many people, you say, what are you going to speak about? They, they would say something like this. Uh, every family... Um, every family needs to get along. Well, I'm out of there. I know that. But if you say, here's how families can get along better, I got my notebook out. The tension is built. I want to know how, and I want to know if I agree with what those things are. So it's a very subtle thing, but it, it, it is so important to uh, hanging on to the attention of people who are listening. All of the things I learned about good communication in radio, things that I spent 25 years learning, I could have learned in an afternoon if somebody had handed me your book uh, several years ago. Uh, I think of things like one of, the, one of the key points I ever learned about communicating is, is what one of my talent coaches, Tommy Kramer, called being the moon and not the sun. And doing what the moon does with your audience and reflecting back like the moon reflects the sun's light, reflecting back right. what's important to them rather than assuming you're, you're the sun and they revolve and their world revolves around you. So true. That is a, when we're done with this podcast, if you don't email me that, I will hunt you down. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that is an amazing illustration. Who gave that to you? I got that from my uh, talent coach years ago named Tommy Kramer, but I'll, I'll send you a link. Oh my goodness. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. Yes, I do. <laughs> Well, I thought it would be good to take some time, Ken, and run through how the SCORE method differs from the traditional method of preparing for a public talk. I, I heard you do this on Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast, the podcast Answer yeah. Man. Would you mind going through that for us? No, I don't mind at all. If, you, if your listeners have a piece of paper, if you don't have one, grab one or, or write on somebody's head or something. <laughs> Draw a line down the middle of that space, whatever that space is. On the left-hand side, just write traditional, and this is what traditional looks like. You, number one, you study or research, and this is very, very important. Most people who speak on a subject don't know what they're talking about, not because they're stupid people. It's just because they haven't spent enough time researching it, looking at the options, looking at what some of the people who may disagree with what they're saying uh, write and read and say, Really do your research. I find that the most fun part of, of uh, putting a speech together. That is a time, by the way, when there are, there are no blocks. You, you don't say, I would love to do this in my talk, but uh, I would, you, you, there are no blocks. You, you let your mind freely flow here. Then the second, in the traditional, the second step is to, um, you know, List all the things you want to want to say. Just list them all. All the things you want to do. All the illustrations you want to use. List them all. This is even more fun than the research. 
because uh, again, no blocks. You just you you make sure that anything that comes to your mind, you just write it down. Boy, I'd love to use this illustration. Wouldn't it be great if I could show this clip from a movie? Well, wow, this would be fantastic. You list all of those things. Then, in the traditional method, the third step is to organize those in some order that makes you comfortable, so that you you know what you're going to deliver first. You know you know what you're going to deliver second. Uh, you know you know how you'll introduce the talk. You have some idea how you'll close the talk, and you do all of that. And then the final step in the traditional method is to deliver that. Now, if, uh, if you can get that person to turn their head a little bit, you can write on the other side of their forehead <laughs> the SCORE method, S-C-O-R-R-E. And the SCORE method is this. First of all, you research and study. That, that sounds a lot like what we did in the first method, and in fact, it's identical. Second, you list all the things you want to say without reservation. You don't, you don't eliminate anything. You, you brainstorm. This is absolutely fun. And by the way, I would, I would recommend this to all your listeners. Never prepare a speech alone. Find somebody. Find a friend. Bounce it off of them. and Have them ask you questions. You would be amazed at how a speech develops and how many more things you will come to list that you want to use in your speech if you just verbalize it with someone. It'll also become more clear to you, by the way. Mm. So number one and number two are identical on the traditional side and then on the score side. Here's where it changes on the score side. Once you have listed all the things you want to say, and by the way, this is not easy. This is going to sound oversimplistic but it is very difficult. We spend two days teaching people how to do this next one. You ask yourself the question, why? Why do I want to say these things? We actually have a very restrictive little, little uh, framework that we put this in that forces people to be very specific as to what they want the outcome or objective to their speech to be. Then, then the fourth step in our score side of the thing is to eliminate anything that doesn't make sense, anything that doesn't lead toward that why. If it's not helping you with your objective, it's gone. When a sculptress conceives of an image in her mind and wants to bring that image to the public, let's say she thinks of an angel or she's going to... Uh, she is going to sculpture a, a, um, a mother and a baby, whatever it might be. She buys a block of granite, brings it into her studio, and immediately begins to chip away expensive granite. Because the only way she can bring that image to her audience, to her fans, is to get rid of what does not contribute to that image. Same thing is true with a speech. The difference is, when the sculptress is done, there's thousands of dollars worth of priceless granite laying on the floor, <laughs> and now useless granite. When a speechmaker gets through, there's all kinds of illustrations and little sayings that were cute or whatever that don't really work to move this speech towards the objective. Mm. They go in a folder, and they will be invaluable for another speech down the road. Then, then after you have eliminated everything that doesn't lead to the objective, then you organize that in a powerful manner that leads inevitably to what you want your objective to be. And then you, we suggest that you let it percolate for a week or so, because <laughs> mm -hmm. things will be added to it, and then you 
you deliver it with power and clarity and focus. And you don't want to underestimate practicing it uh, numerous Absolutely times. Absolutely not. That, that's so good. That's a very important part of the book, practicing it out loud. We have a Disney Imagineer person who has been on our staff, uh, and and he, he calls it be an oiful speaker, on your feet out loud. <laughs> because you can think of concepts you can't say. Uh, do this for me. Say black bugs blood three times. Oh, boy. Uh, black bugs blood, black blood. Bu- <laughs> yeah, you're gone already, see? <laughs> you can think it. You can't say it. Yeah. Saying it out loud, it helps you re-say things in a better way. And it isn't only tongue twisters. It, it's mind twisters. It's mm. something you say and you go, that really doesn't make sense. How can I make that more clear? I do the same thing. By the way, I use this for my blog. I, I use it for my books. I use it for everything. And, and um, nothing, when I, when I just wrote this book, I, I, I walked outside, I walked for miles reading out loud my own book and making little notations of where, boy, that's stupid or that sounds weak or, or that's really brilliant. There were a lot of brilliant things, very few stupid things. <laughs> One of the things I had never thought of until I read your book, and this was eye-opening to me, is that there's really just two kinds of talks. You can, it can be a persuasive talk and an, uh, an enabling talk, and you go through this exercise of the persuasive proposition, the, the enabling proposition, and that for me was just so very helpful to be able to uh, you know, start with this wide funnel, whittle it down to the, the narrow uh, funnel, which is the objective, and then it, it starts to open back up again toward the rationale, resources, and evaluation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You narrow it down to a single to a single objective and then you broaden the speech to supply a solid foundation for that objective. You know what I love about this podcast? What's that? You've read the book. <laughs> you know how many radio interviews I do where no one's read the book? Oh, I'm I love sorry. it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it's it's not always easy, but I try to read every book all the way through before actually doing an interview. I don't always get completely through, but I get as far as I can. So thank you for saying That's that. That's great. That is great. Well, before we move on to some questions not related directly to the book, is there anything else you'd like to share from the book that we haven't uh, covered yet, Ken? No, I think those are the most important things. The only other thing is that, that, that I, I want to always encourage people that if, if you want to be seen, make a scene. And, and what I mean by that is stretch yourself a little bit. You know, people step up to a microphone and deliver in a monotone information that is absolutely valuable to people's lives. Um, I've heard people give what was supposed to be passionate speeches about stuff they believe very strongly, and, and there's, no, there's no passion in it. People respond to passion, and that has to be a part of your talk. So I encourage people to stretch themselves. They're so afraid, again, that they're going to make a fool of themselves or they'll look weird. Um, Forget that. Either you believe what you're saying or you don't. Mm. And if you believe what you're saying, nobody ever yells at a child who is out in the surf uh, too far by saying, the water's fairly high, I think you should move back this way. (laughs) uh, That's crazy. They they scream at the talk of their at at the top of their lungs because they believe in what they're saying. Mm. And that passion cuts through, and that's why a kid comes back quickly. Ken, I want to ask you some questions related to leadership and and, and reading. If you had to narrow all of the leadership lessons you've learned in the 30 years or so you've been doing this down to a central theme or idea, what would you say that is? Passion is created 
by living what you speak. In other words, uh, I lost, you know, I wrote another book called Fully Alive. I had lost 60 pounds uh, at 67, started entering triathlon, mm. uh, just did a whole remake on my life mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. That book has probably impacted people as much as any other book that I've ever written. And I believe that it's because rather than choosing a subject and writing on a subject, I wrote about something that had actually impacted my life. Oh. And so I was ultra passionate about this. I really believe that the principles in that book saved my life. I'm ultra passionate about what is in Secrets of Dynamic Communication because there are thousands of students who have totally transformed the power of their communication because of what's in that book. Mm. So I, I don't know if that's exactly the right way to say it, but leaders who are living what they're teaching are passionate leaders. And people follow passionate leaders. Well, one of my beliefs when it comes to reading is that it uh, doing it consistently and intentionally is is one of the keys to success in business and in life. That's that's the belief or the why of this podcast. Uh, what role can has uh, consistent and intentional reading played in your career and in your success? I would say my, my life is shaped by two things. My life is shaped by the people I have met and the books I've read. Mm. If I had only read C.S. Lewis, I, w- I would still say that I was never the same because I had read, because I had read the books that he had written. I've, I, I, just, I, I believe that it's, it's absolutely essential. Otherwise, think of this. Your brain minus input is just a blob. <laughs> it's just a, and it runs out of whatever you learned in high school or college quickly. I believe you need to read not only what you agree with, but you need to read the opposition. You need to find places where the opposition is strong. You need to not only enhance your own position or build a false scarecrow or whatever you call it to be, uh, to be beat down, but you also need to look at what other people are saying about, about what you believe and from the opposite point of view. It's absolutely essential for, for a leader. There's a guy, there's a hundred-year-old book written by a guy by the name of James Jowett, 100 years old. It is the best book on speaking I've ever seen. And it was written by a guy who taught preaching at uh, Yale, I believe it's Yale University, mm. James H. Jowett. The book is out of print, but you can get it. And um, if you just look up Jowett, you'll see his book on, on preaching. And if there's anything that's hard, it's, it's speaking in terms of esoteric and, and spiritual matters and stuff like that. But this is the best book on speaking of any kind, even though it was written for preachers that I have ever seen in my life. So in your life, there are people who come into your life and say things and speak into you, encouragement or whatever it might be. I think in my book I talk about a teacher who said, who was ready to expel me and instead made me go out for speech. <laughs> a life change. Absolute life changer for me. Mm. Told me I had a gift and that I'd been using it to ruin her class, and that was going to change. <laughs> and um, it did change. I've made an unbelievable career uh, as a result of just having her show me that confidence. So, yes, read to lead. I, I, believe, I don't read enough. I'll be honest with you. I don't read enough. Mm. If you're too busy to read, you're too busy. Yeah, Dan Miller was the first guest ever on our podcast. I know you know Dan, and, and something he yes. said that, that stuck with me was, 
He said, if, if I ever stop learning, just dig a hole and push me in because I'm of no use to anybody. <laughs> wow. That is, that is also brilliant. But that's brilliant, too. You need, to, you need to send me that one, too, if you value your life. <laughs> <laughs> I will do it as soon as we get done. Before we wrap up, uh, Ken, uh, remind us uh, where we can find you online, website, Twitter. You know, let us know about the, the various conferences that, that you've developed that are involved in. Yes. Uh, the best place to find everything about this is on our website, kendavis.com. Uh, where you will see my blog, which is, has a lot of humor and a lot of personal information as well. And if you, if you look over in the right-hand column, or if you have an iPhone and scroll all the way down to the bottom, you will find our conferences. The SCORE conference, a fine gentleman by the name of Michael Hyatt is my partner in these conferences. And the SCORE conference, of course, is the, the speaking conference teaches you to hone your skills in speaking. Uh, we have a platform conference using social media to build a platform where you can be heard in a noisy world. That's coming up, and, and if you just click on that, it'll give you all of the information, where it is, what it costs, what you will learn. And then, of course, we have our launch conference, which just finished, where if you have speaking skills and you've dreamed of making a living doing those, like I have been able to follow my dreams. We have followed what worked and what didn't work and have launched some amazing careers. Those are all there for you to look at, plus all the books we've written. Our new book is available there, Secrets of Dynamic Communication. The book Fully Alive is there. Right now we are working on developing online training that will help people who cannot come to those conferences experience the taste of what that what that's like, and to go home with practical um, practical ideas and principles that can change their lives in every one of those areas. You, you mentioned Michael Hyatt, and and, and I, well, I knew we couldn't get through a conversation about effective public speaking in conferences like those you're involved in uh, without talking about Michael. He obviously is a big part of that. I loved it when he wrote about the SCORE conference recently on his blog, and I commented saying something along the lines of, what do you tell people who uh, fear public speaking and the idea of giving several talks in the span of a few days sounds like torture? And I said, oh, by the way, by other people, I mean me. <laughs> and, and, and his response was great. He said, well, first of all, you're human. And second of all, in all the conferences we've done after all these years, no one has ever died. <laughs> <laughs> he is so funny. This is what I love about Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt is the, almost a 180-degree uh, exact, exact opposite of me. <laughs> you know, he is, the guy works from morning until night. <laughs> the guy is just amazing. Well, Ken, I want to close just by saying uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time uh, to share your, your knowledge and your expertise with us. I know we're all going to become more effective uh, communicators and public speakers as a result. So thank you very, very much. Well, you are so welcome, and um, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I love, I love podcasts and interviews that are a conversation with a friend, and that's what this has been. Thank you very, very much. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ken Davis as much as I did. A lot of information packed into his book, Secrets of Dynamic Communication. It's like taking the entire SCORE conference and packing it into less than 200 pages in this book. Well worth the $15.99 price. And of course, as always, there's a link to it on the show notes 
for today's episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 016. That is an affiliate link, by the way. If you'd like to let Ken know what you thought about today's episode and the insights that he shared, you can send him a tweet to Ken Davis Live on Twitter. That's at Ken Davis Live on Twitter. To comment on this episode, just go to the blog, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 016. For episode 16, you can scroll down to the comment section, leave your comment, question, or whatever it might be. Something I haven't uh, made a habit of doing, but another way you can let me know what you think about the Read to Lead podcast is by shooting me an email. My email address is jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. If you've yet to rate the podcast, I hope you'll do that soon. We're trying to reach 100 five-star ratings and reviews by the end of this month. I think we're in the mid-80s right about now. This actually helps keep the podcast visible and, and findable by new people. If you give it a five-star rating and leave a review so I know who you are, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a small way to say thanks. To do that, just visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. That again is readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. I want to give a special thanks this week to both Ken Ontario and Doug Griffin, who each left five-star ratings and reviews. Ken says it's very informative. He's already bought a couple of the books highlighted on the show. And Doug says it's a must-listen for any leader. Thanks to both of you. I also want to give a special thanks this week to Lisa B. Marshall, host of the Public Speaker Podcast, Quick and Dirty Tips for Improving Your Communication Skills. You might recall Lisa was a guest on episode 13 of the Read to Lead podcast. She was kind enough to invite me onto her show as a co-host, something she virtually never does. And she quizzes me about what I've learned in my years in radio that can help you be a better speaker. I invite you to check out this latest episode of the Public Speaker podcast called Three Secrets Radio Personalities Don't Want You to Know. It's episode 223 featuring yours truly and Lisa B. Marshall. There's also a link to it in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Next time on the show, we welcome author Todd Henry to the conversation. He's the author of the brand new book, Die Empty, Unleash Your Best Work Every Day. This is a book I consider to be one of my favorite so far this year. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I hope to see you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Song they have sung for a thousand years.